With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey there, Internet. It's your old pal, Mike Schubert. And we're about to get into episode 37 of Potterless, picking up from our amazing cliffhanger from last time, which people were less than pleased about. I understand that it's not ideal to leave an episode in the middle of a chapter, but it would have been so long if I kept going. So let's just take care of some stuff and we'll get right into it. First, it is the first episode of March, meaning that it's charity time. We have 103 patrons at patreon.com slash potterless, meaning that we are donating $103 to a charity. And that charity for this month is Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense in America. The idea to give to this charity was from a suggestion by producer-level patron Sean Jones, who said, look, with all of the Parkland shooting stuff going on, it probably makes sense for Potterless to donate to a charity that's trying to stop gun violence. And I thought that was an amazing idea. So this charity is basically like Moms Against Drunk Driving for gun violence. They have rallies, they have information sessions, they try to enforce policies that make sure that guns are not getting into the hands of bad or unlawful people. They do lots of different things just to make sure that we have safer gun control in our country, and they do some amazing stuff. So if you want to look more into that, just search for Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense in America. And thanks, Sean, for the suggestion. Speaking of Patreon members, we have a bountiful harvest of new patrons and welcome to the team. So please welcome Ava M., Brittany Norman, Eloise Thomason, Devin Gant, Katrina Went, Ali Sight, Lindsay Searles, Raghav Sharma, Pauline M., Kayla Miller, Shemeslav Kolajay, Marianne Hardman, Emily Bregenzer, Jessica Unicom, Dan Wise, Abby Fisher, Tariq Al-Qasim, and the return of Ellie, a previous patron. And a huge shout out to our newest producer-level patron, Juan Sanfeliu, who joins the ranks of Leanne, Andreas, Vicky, Aaron, Erica, Calvin, Michael, Sadie, Jesse, Natalie, Deborah, Daisy, Clow, Michael, Sean, Alexander, Rebecca, Frank, Marchismo, Tori, Samantha, and Troy, who always give the correct answer when people are watching a movie and ask, what's, what's that guy from? What else was that guy in? If you want to join this amazing squad of people and get bonus content, such as bonus episodes, director's commentary, shirts, stickers, Twitter shoutouts, helping us donate $1 more per month, you can head on over to patreon.com slash Potterless. Lastly, I just want to quickly thank everybody who's been really nice to me on social media the past couple weeks. I don't know what has happened, but there's been a huge influx of people who have reached out and said that they've binged the podcast in like a week and a half, which is crazy and beyond me. You're all amazing, and it's so nice to see all these messages, and I'm and I'm trying to reply to every single one and retweet a bunch of them. You guys are so great, and you make my heart so warm and happy. This has been so much fun, and let's just see where this Potterless ship can take us. You know where this ship is taking us next? To episode 37 of Potterless, covering the rest of chapter 37 and all of chapter 38 of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, guest starring Multitude's own Julia Shafini. Dumbledore basically sighs and then says, look, I owe you another explanation that I should have given you six years ago. Dumbledore first mentions 
that the reason for sending Harry back to the Dursleys all this time is because he needs to be near his mother's blood or where his mother's blood dwells, a.k.a. in the Privet household because Petunia shares the same blood. So he explains that you have to keep going back because that is what keeps the whole mother's love anti-Voldemort spell intact is that you keep going home to the Dursleys. That's inconvenient. Yeah, I think this is a very convenient explanation to get in the fifth book for why we get all those fucking Dursley chapters, J.K. Rowling, but (laughs) okay, that's how it works is you have to be in contact with a sibling. Like, uh, I just thought it was a bunch of bullshit where she's like, oh yeah, I do keep putting him in the Dursley house for no good reason. Here's the good reason. I thought it was very convenient. I mean, it's uh, she does play a lot with bloodlines and stuff like that in the series, so I, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I It's not my favorite reasoning, but <laughs> it is a reason. Yeah. Then Dumbledore recaps the entire series, which I thought we had finally stopped doing. I thought we had <laughs> finally gotten to the point in these books where we don't recap what happened in all the previous ones, and we had made it so far We made it all but two chapters away. We made it through 36 chapters of not recapping what happened. But nope, Dumbledore recaps books one through four for all the people that hadn't read them at this point, which is like, I can't. I'm sorry, Mike. I'm sorry. I was so upset. I was so upset. At least least you're getting it through... Not the narrator, Ugh. but rather Dumbledore's perspective. I'm just trying to put yeah, a twist on no. this to make you a little bit happier. Uh, it's just so dumb. So he goes through all of that. And then finally he gets into talking about the prophecy. And this is actually Yay. a good portion, something that's cool. So he does confirm that the prophecy was given to him by Sybil. Yep. And that explains the initials on the prophecy. Yes. And your your excitement at getting uh, Dumbledore's full Brian. Name. <laughs> Learning Brian. that Brian's in his name. Oh, man. I love that they do make a point to call that out in the movie. It was really funny when they did it, when he enters the, the goes, wizard gamut. Blah, 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 blah. Brian. <laughs> yep. So, um, so good. It's really great. So he first clarifies that the prophecy that we've been referring to is just a copy of a literal prophecy that took place. And then he starts to tell the story of that actual prophecy. Yeah. So it's back in time 16 years ago. It's at the room above the bar in the Hogshead where he is meeting with Sybil Trelawney, who is applying to be the new teacher of divination. The hugs had being the sketchiest bar in town. Yes. It's always good. Yes. Always where you want to conduct a job interview. <laughs> the sketchiest bar in town. Exactly. Dumbledore even mentions that he was like, I was even considering not teaching the course anymore, but I figured I would give her an interview because one of her distant relatives was one of the greatest seers of all time. <laughs> so yeah. even Dumbledore. Uh, if I remember correctly, her distant relative who was a seer was named Cassandra after the uh, seer from uh, Troy. I believe. Ooh, fun um, facts. Who who was like who was cursed by Apollo so that no one would believe her prophecies. Wow. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. He decides to take her application anyway, but very shortly after realizes that she is not very well fit for the post. Nah, she kind of sucks. Yes, but as she is leaving, she does the thing where like her eyes roll into the back of her head and and talks in the deeper voice where she's like, ah, la, la, like real she, prophecy yeah. time. Yep, like she did in the third book. So she is like, gives the prophecy. And I want to pull up the exact quote of the prophecy. I have it if you want oh, me to read yeah, it. yeah, read me the exact prophecy quote because it's juicy. Okay. The one with the power to vanquish the Dark Lord approaches. Born to those who have thrice defied him, born as the seventh month dies, and the Dark Lord will mark him as his equal, but he will have power that the Dark Lord knows not. 
and either must die at the hands of the other, for neither can live while the other survives. The one with the power to vanquish the Dark Lord will be born as the seventh month dies. Yes. So super juicy. And then Mm -hmm. I love that the next thing is Harry being like, Dumbledore, does that mean... What does that mean? <laughs> like, please explain to the reader exactly what is happening. I don't have good reading <laughs> comprehension, Dumbledore. Tell me what that means. <laughs> so Dumbledore explains what this means. Someone who's born at the end of July from parents who have defied Voldemort three separate times. And Harry's like, oh, so it's me? And then Dumbledore goes, well, technically, it's either you or plot twist Neville Longbottom, which is and like. you finally get the explanation to the Neville is the chosen one theory. You do. Are you happy now? Well, yes. Yeah. So is this what's sparked it because I think it's kind of lame how out in the open it was. I thought this was some theory that like people came up on very tiny clues, but literally Dumbledore is like, it could be Neville straight up. Well, in the no, book. he says it could have been Neville. Yeah, but there's but people that still Voldemort picked you. Yes. And you'll see in the next two books why maybe it could be Neville. Okay. Yeah. So the only thing that I could maybe think of is that I thought it was weird that the prophecy a second time said the one with the power to kill Voldemort will be born in the month of July. So my theory of of what the Neville theory is, is that- Your theory of the theory. Yeah, my theory of the theory, because I haven't looked it up yet. Um, But my theory of the theory is that, uh, yes, Voldemort marked him as his equal, which makes Harry the first part, which is that one of them has to live and the other one has to die at the end of the other. But maybe people think that the second sentence is actually about Neville. So like Neville actually has the power to kill Voldemort, not necessarily Harry. I don't know if that's like what it means. But I was a bit disappointed because I thought this like Neville theory was something that people picked up on very tiny, minute details. But it's just straight up like it could be Neville. (laughs) You'll see. Okay, good. I'm excited to see. So, yes, it explains that Neville also was born in the end of July and that his parents, I guess, also defied Voldemort three times. We never learn what either of those defying moments are, but I assume we will learn. I don't think you ever do. Oh, really? Darn. I I wanted to know exactly what it was. But you know from context that Lily and James and Alice and Frank were both in the Order of the Phoenix. Yes. So they were doing a bunch of defying. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And theoretically, they could just do it all at the same time if maybe they fought him three times or whatever. Maybe. So yeah, basically you get a back and forth where Dumbledore very plainly explains all of this, what this means. Dumbledore refers to the prophecy as the weapon that Voldemort desired so dearly. So again, we're getting this thing where like the prophecy is the weapon. It's not a weapon, no. <laughs> but Dumbledore called it the weapon. Uh, but he's, it's, but it's not. It's yeah. not a weapon. Like, unless you're like, information is the most powerful weapon of all time. Like, no. <laughs> the pen is mightier than the sword. Oh, is it though? Because <laughs> I can stab you with the sword and it'll do much more damage. Yeah, than a pen stab at least. Dumbledore explains that the reason Voldemort wanted to hear the prophecy so badly is that he only had part of the prophecy mm-hmm. because somehow someone heard this prophecy being told, even though it's in the room above the bar, it says that the eavesdropper was removed halfway through the prophecy. So I don't know if they ever explain this later in the book, but my guess- They do. Okay, my guess is that it's Peter Pettigrew as rat form, and he just happened to be upstairs, and then someone was like, eh, rat, get out, and then like shoot like it away. I like that theory. That's my theory, just because like, it specifically notes that it was upstairs in the bar, so it's not like- 
it, they were in the bar and they like did something that got worthy of getting kicked out of a bar. Right. I don't know what else is in that upstairs, but that's that's just my guess. Oh, I think it's it's an inn, so there's probably like rooms to rent. Above, oh, like when Harry rented oh. them above the. Leaky Cauldron. Walnut's place. The Leaky Cauldron, yeah. <laughs> the Tom Walnut's place. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> so, okay, that makes more sense. Yeah. So, my guess, Pettigrew and rat form. Let's see what it actually oh, that's is. That's a really good theory. I, that That is actually one of your better theories. Ooh, oh, because mine usually suck. Yes. So, uh, that <laughs> so, basically, Dumbledore says that person only got the first half of it, not the whole, like, one has to live kind of thing and the power he doesn't know, just the whole, all it got is the July person with parents. Yeah that divide him three yeah, times. So he doesn't get the marking. He doesn't get the power that he doesn't know. Neither shall live while the other survive. Things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Harry is like, but wait, couldn't it still be Neville? What if Voldemort messed up? And then Dumbledore is like, look, he chose you as his equal. Thus, that makes that part of the prophecy you. It, it has to be you. And then Harry is pretty shook by this. But then he asks Dumbledore a question to clarify. <laughs> And he asks, okay, wait a minute. So that end portion where you said one can't live all the other does, does that mean one of us has to kill the other? And then Dumbledore just goes, yes. <laughs> Dumbledore's straight up like, yes. mm, yep, <laughs> gonna end in death, sorry. He just goes, he just goes yes. <laughs> so and, then, and then like the line after that is, for a long time, neither of them smoke. <laughs> Same. It's, oh, it's the most perfect it's interaction. Uh, so after this, Harry starts to hear people getting up and going to breakfast. So this conversation has lasted like long into the night and the next morning. It's like six in the morning. Well, at they least. were at the ministry pretty late. And when they started their conversation, yeah. the sun was starting to rise. Uh-huh. Yeah. So this has gone on for hours on end. And people are trying to get up. Harry starts to think, how can anyone think about food when Sirius Black is dead? It's like, dude, everyone else thinks Sirius Black is a mass murderer. Like no one else thinks yeah, he's a good no guy. First it. off, no one knows that he's dead yet. And second, even if they found out, no one would be like, oh no. They'd be like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> Everyone would feel more safe because he was on the loose. It's like when Charles Manson died. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, cool, tight. That guy's, I don't have to worry about that anymore. The chapter then ends with something that I think is super stupid, which is Dumbledore being like, oh, I owe you one more explanation. You might be wondering why I didn't make you a prefect. I thought you already had too much to deal with. A and I feel bad about it. And a, the, yep, the face. A single tear drips and into his, his silvery ass beard. <laughs> yeah, which is like, like Dumbledore, like make it Harry prefect would have been so dumb. Like I covered this in the first episode with Lauren. Harry is the anti-prefect. He's broken every rule. He sneaks out all the time. He does spells when he's not supposed to. He uses the invisibility cloak. He leads the league in points removed from Gryffindor house. He, he <laughs> would lead by example and it would be a terrible fucking example. God, so I don't think Dumbledore should be sad about this. Harry would be the worst prefect ever. But that's the end of chapter 36. And now we get into chapter 37. The second war begins, which don't be fooled by how cool the title of this chapter is. This chapter fucking sucks. Uh, nothing really happens. I don't think it sucks. You get some good lines in here. It's not terrible. It's not her best chapter ending. But like, <sighs> yeah, it, it's not the worst. Yeah, it just doesn't. It just doesn't live up to the name. All right, all right. Yeah. 
<laughs> so there's it starts with a profit article explaining what happened and it's quotes from Fudge. You get two great items where Fudge calls him Lord, well, you know who I mean, and then later Lord Thingy. <laughs> Lord Thingy is my favorite though. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. So he basically just explains that Lord Voldemort is in fact back. Harry and Dumbledore were not lying. And yes, the Dementors are not in Azkaban anymore and the Death Eaters are at large. So it's basically just lots of bad news in one newspaper. You then learn that this is actually taking place as Hermione reading it to all of the kids in the hospital wing, which is actually like a cool writing device that they did because you're reading this thing and you don't know who's reading it. I thought it was kind of fun. But basically, the prophet is back to being pro-Dumbledore and pro-Harry. They have a bunch of other articles throughout explaining like, why didn't anyone listen to Dumbledore and what this means now? And then they have the exclusive interview that was in the Quibbler, which Luna notes that they paid a lot of money for. Yeah. Enough so that they are going to go on the vacation to find that stupid snow, you know, snore, whatever the hell that they think is evil. The Snorlax. <laughs> yeah, whatever it is. Yeah, the Snorlax, as we referred to last episode. Did you actually do that? I thought I made that joke on my own. <laughs> I think, no, no, you did. Oh, no, okay. I think you made that joke last, last right, well, recording. There we go. It's been like a week since we last recorded, so I guess yep. sounds about right. And Hermione does a great thing where she goes like, has a pause and has to not say anything, deep exhale, and then goes, that sounds lovely, Luna. Yeah. <laughs> Which, but I don't understand how that works. Like that article is already well distributed. Like what does the profit have to gain by paying a lot of money for it and then rerunning it? I didn't really understand that. Well, I think first off, I think you might be overestimating the readership of the Quibbler. Okay. Yeah. Well, Harry got all that fan mail. I don't know. All right. Uh, But secondly, I think it's a vocal minority Mm -hmm. anyway. um, But I think that it's one of those uh, things, you know, like people sell stories to the tabloids in order to make money. Yeah. And if it's like about the royal family or something like that, which I guess Harry is kind of the equivalent to that, they would make serious bank. Yep. I guess. Okay. True, true, true. After that, you know, we're in the hospital wing and- we learn first off that Hermione is just wrecked by that spell that Dollhoff did to her. She yeah. has to take 10 different potions every single day, yeah, which is crazy. She asks Neville how school is and what the school is like because she's just been cooped up in the hospital wing the whole time. She's like, I just want homework. Please <laughs> give me homework. Such a nerd. Uh, Neville basically says that everything's back to normal. He says that Flitwick got rid of the twin swamp within three seconds. Except for the little tiny bit. Yes. He kept a little bit and and it's like intact and roped off because Flitwick just admit, quote, it it was a good bit of magic. It was. (laughs) And Ron is like, "Uh, I I think they just want to keep it as a testament to the twins. And then downs another chocolate frog. Ron has a giant tower of chocolate frogs given to him by the twins. So things are going well at their shop. Neville also says that Filch is really sad with Umbridge gone. Filch said that Umbridge was the best thing to ever happen to the school, which is wrong. They start to talk about Umbridge a little bit more, but plot twist, she's in the bed next to them. <laughs> how do you how do you feel about this? Knowing that your theory was the final showdown was going to be Umbridge yeah. and she was gonna die. I mean, I I'm I feel validated in knowing that this is not the end of Umbridge. But uh, this is not how I envisioned it. But this is something, and my friend Johnny was telling me this, and I don't know how well popularized this theory is, but isn't there a running theory that uh, Umbridge got raped by the centaurs? Oh, shit. I've never heard that Okay, Johnny mentioned that to me, and I hadn't heard it before he said that. The only reason I think that probably didn't happen is because um, J.K. Rowling, like, emphasizes that what Umbridge hates about, like, non-human creatures is just like their bestiality okay 
I, I assume she wouldn't do that because that would make them seem, you know, the savages that Umbridge believes that they are. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, yeah. I, I just didn't know how well that theory was actually accepted or whatever. It's a it's a fine theory. I don't agree with it, but okay. that's it's yep. definitely some people can theorize that. Yeah, so she's basically in the hospital bed, I think still with twigs and stuff in her hair. Uh, yeah. Ron says that she won't... She's just been basically unresponsive unless you do this. And then he makes like a clip clop noise with his tongue, which is <laughs> kind of so mean. Funny. It's funny, but really mean. Uh, and she like perks up well, and is like, she's huh? evil. yeah, she is super evil. She is evil. We can torture evil people. That's fine. <laughs> so uh, you learn that Dumbledore saved Umbridge from the centaurs and that people don't know how. And I don't know if they ever explained how. He just fucking walked into the forest and was like, give me back this bitch. Pretty much. Then Harry asks what's going on with Ferenzi. Is he still going to be the teacher? And they're like, yeah, he can't go back to the centaurs. They hate him. And you learn that Ferenzi and Trelawney are going to co-teach the course, which sounds really bad. Like they're two horrible professors teaching a horrible subject. Now their powers combined, like doesn't seem promising at all. I think, I think the way that they end up splitting it is like Ferenzi teaches one year Uh, and then they switch back to Trelawney for the next year. Okay. Uh, I think that's how they do it. Okay. Trelawney would take third years and Ferenzi would take fourth years. Okay. I can see it. Harry hasn't told anybody about the prophecy and he doesn't. He then tells everyone that he's going to see Hagrid, but instead goes to the lake from the Snape flashback thing. Doesn't he go to Hagrid at one point? Like he goes to Hagrid, Hagrid pisses him off and then he goes to the lake. Does he? No, no, he, so what happens is he leaves the hospital wing. Mm -hmm. He runs into Malfoy, Crabbe and Goyle. Of course. He does some uh, sassy shit about, he's like, Malfoy's like, you're gonna pay. And Harry's like, Oh, well, I'm terrified now. I suppose Lord Voldemort is just a warm-up compared to you three. Mm-hmm. And basically, <laughs> and yeah. And Malfoy's like, you put our dads in jail. And he's like, yep, well, fuck it. <laughs> and then he, then fucking McGonagall comes back and is being a badass and, like, hands crab her, her bag and is like, bring this upstairs for me. Yeah. You little bitch. <laughs> uh-huh. And, yeah. And then, and then at that point we get into the whole, uh, because Malfoy said that he was going to take points away from Harry. No, Snape does. Oh, right. Because, oh, right. No. Yeah. yeah so at the, at the confrontation between Harry. Snape shows up first and then McGonagall. Yeah. So Harry is, you know, talking smack back and forth with Malfoy, Crabbe, and Goyle. And then Harry draws his wand on Malfoy, of course, because Harry is stupid. Typical. And then Snape walks in, which uh, Snape's just got the most perfect timing Ever, because literally every time Harry does this to Malfoy, Snape walks down the hallway. I don't know if he's got got some sort of marauder's map. Yeah, he's got something where he's like, oh, I got to (laughs) go take away points. So he wants to take points away from Harry for pulling out his wand. Oh, but your hourglass is already empty. Mm -hmm. But then enter McGonagall, who has made a full recovery. And she's like, oh, I think that we should give 50 points to each of the students for, you know, fighting off the Dark Lord. And then she makes- Your McGonagall impression is amazing. Oh, no, I I, I need to make it more Scottish to be like, uh, when, what's his face? When Jim Dale does it, like, oh, Harry. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I've got to put in some rubies into your thing. Uh, So she says she's going to put a bunch of rubies in, like 50 points per person, which is- pretty significant and makes me think that like if they knew this was going to happen they should have just brought every Gryffindor they know so they could have won the house cup but basically she puts in 50 for each and then she's like and you wanted to take 10 away okay and then takes 10 off the top Mm -hmm. Uh, they never say if this is enough 
to make them win the House Cup. They don't clear it up. Probably not. I, I don't know. I want to live in the They're world where it's well. not, because if that was enough to make them win, I'd be so fucking pissed off. Well, okay, so what was the amounts that... What was the amount that won them in the first year? Did they give like an- 400 ex- something. Oh, right? yeah. And this is only, what, 50 times- 140? Well, yeah. or it's, no, it's 50 for- Because she gives 50 for each. So it's Neville, Ginny, Harry, Ron, Hermione. So it's only 250. Yeah, 250 minus 10, so 240. So yeah, yeah hopefully that's okay. not enough to make they're them win fine. the house They're fine. They're not going to win. Yeah. The other thing is, I don't know how they got down to zero because they won the Quidditch tournament- so I don't know what happened in between winning the Quidditch I don't tournament know if they and that. Win points. They have to for the House Cup. I thought they had. I thought no. I thought that uh, that's definitely it because they've hmm. definitely. I don't remember. I'm pretty sure that that they've mentioned that being a thing. It has to. Okay. It has to. Be. I believe you. I think it is because I think that was like a big issue in the first couple of books when we when a big when an actual concern was winning the House Cup. Now we're way no. past the House Cup. We've got death at our hands. It, <laughs> like, it's 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 death time. We don't care about points. Yeah. So th- then you're right. As McGonagall is about to leave, she basically gives her bags to the Slytherins and is like, "Go put my bags up. <laughs> like I'm back yeah. and I'm McGonagall. I'm the best character in the and, world." And and then Harry goes to Hagrid's. Yes. Do you want me to lead this? Part? Yeah, lead this part because I. Just didn't, didn't write this time. down. I thought it was, I thought he lied about going to Hagrid's and then just went to cry his eyes out. No. So what happens is uh, Harry goes to Hagrid's. He's like, hey, Hagrid, where you been? And Hagrid's like, I was hiding in the mountains, just like Sirius did. And he's like, oh, wait, never mind. Um, in which uh, Hagrid gives a grop update, which yes. is like, he's doing really well. He's being very polite now. I'm going to try and find him a lady giant. Uh-huh. And Harry, Harry's like, mm, that's a terrible idea but i'm not going to tell you that because i am angsty and depressed (laughs) Mm -hmm. and so basically he's like hagrid says some dumb line about like well you know uh sirius would have wanted to go in battle and harry's like he didn't didn't want to die at all weirdo yes like how dare you talk about how he wants to go like he at the end of the day he didn't want to die exactly so harry (laughs) just stands up he's like i have to go visit ron and hermione in the hospital wing and hagrid's like uh Okay. Mm-hmm. See you later. And, and then this is where he Harry goes, goes to the, and cries his eye. Okay. Hey, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors who make this show possible. This episode of Potter List is brought to you by Arena Club. Now, if you listen to this podcast, it should be no secret that I am both a sports nerd and more of a traditional nerd. And when you think of these two types of nerddom, there's one thing that links them together, and that is card collecting. Whether you are looking to buy, trade, sell, or display a card collection of sports cards or Pokemon cards, you should check out Arena Club. ArenaClub.com is the place where you can do all of these things. I have recently made a purchase on the market. Marketplace. I got Lieutenant Surge's Raichu, which is my favorite Pokemon, and I didn't even know that there was a Lieutenant Surge version of the Raichu. So that is a card that I now have, and it's not just some digital thing. I can have this card physically mailed to me. So there's a bunch of cool stuff you can do with Arena Club, including their slab packs. If you have ever done any sort of card collecting, you know that ripping packs or repacks can be a zero transparency type of thing where you're just hoping you get some sort of cool card. But what's nice about the slab packs with Arena Club 
is that you have full transparency. You see what available cards are there, what your percentage of getting them is, what the gradings are. So it is not a complete black box. You're going into this knowing what cards you might get. And I've been using Arena Club and it's pretty cool. It's very easy for me to look up different cards. I can favorite them, see what I want. And then whenever I want them shipped to me, I can get them shipped to me and then I'll have the physical versions of them. Right now, you can get right 10% you can off get, your first purchase right now, by going to arenaclub.com slash products. Wow, that is a wild offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack is 40 bucks right there. Wow. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash potterless for 10% off your first purchase. That's a wild offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack is 40 bucks right there. Anyways, whether you're a sports nerd or a Pokemon nerd or all sorts of nerds like me, you can use Arena Club today. Yeah, yeah. All right. Now, now, now that we're back on track. So it's it's the day before the end of school and Umbridge just kind of leaves the school now that she has fully recovered. She doesn't really like make a commotion about it or anything, but she just kind of like pieces out. Yeah. They don't really say anything about what her fate is. It's just like, she's gone. She like left out of embarrassment, basically. Yeah, they said that uh, she, ran, she accidentally ran into Peeves on the way <laughs> out and he kept kicking her until she crossed the gates. Yep. Good old peeves. Ah, peeves. Good old peeves. Mm-hmm. Ron is going off to the final feast. Harry, though, stays behind to pack. And when he stays behind to pack, he finds that wrap package that Sirius gave him at Christmas, which was like, you know, you should open this if you ever need anything from me. Hey, remember when this entire fucking thing would have solved the entire plot that we just went through? Yeah, it's pretty sad. But I don't yeah. disagree with Harry's decision not to open it. Because this was at the point where all the kids were like, we can't trust Sirius. He's crazy. Dumbasses. <laughs> so he rips the paper off and inside finds a mirror with an inscription on the back instructing Harry to use it to talk to Sirius if he ever needs to. Which is like, oh no, this would have solved oh, everything. would have solved so many problems. <laughs> so Harry at first, which it's so sad but adorable he at first is like oh, i can talk to sirius and like tries maybe he had the mirror before he went through the fucking veil of death right and he tries to talk to sirius obviously no reply nothing happens harry goes from happiness to devastation and just yep. chucks the mirror down and it breaks into a million pieces he's really upset with this and then he goes and bumps into nearly headless nick and has a conversation. Well, no, he seeks nearly headless Nick out. He goes, disappointment was burning in his throat. He got up and began to throw his things pell-mell, which is a weird phrase to use, yeah. uh, into the truck on top of the broken mirror. But then an idea struck him. A better idea than a mirror. A much bigger, more important idea. How could he have never thought of it before? Why had he never asked? Mm. And then he like goes runs to and nearly tries to find... Nearly Headless Nick. So he finds Nearly Headless Nick, and Nearly Headless Nick explains that uh, not all dead wizards are turned into ghosts. And he just, he's so awkward about it. Yeah. He's like, oh yeah, this happens a lot when people suffer a big loss. Mm-hmm. They come to me to ask about ghost stuff. Yeah, he also then goes on about how like being a ghost actually isn't that great. No, it kind of sucks. Yeah, he's like, look, I'm just stuck here and I can't really pass on. And Harry is not taking this conversation well. He really expected nearly this Nick to provide some insight and maybe a way to talk to Sirius. Uh, and really hoping that Sirius would be a ghost, but he's like, look, there's a good chance that Sirius just doesn't become a ghost. And honestly, it's probably for the best. Yeah. This this also makes me, I'm, I'm concerned about the wizarding afterlife because like, what is the difference between becoming a ghost and then not becoming a ghost? And like, how do paintings work? I'm very intrigued on like what all of it is, all the different routes that you can take. Um, I think that like ghosts and paintings kind of fall under the category of being imitations of life. Oh, okay. So like if we're looking at the way that ghosts are in, you know, 
how we view ghosts in modern society. They're basically, you know, reflections of a life force that has remained in the physical world. Mm. Right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. No, that makes sense. <laughs> that's that's my ghost it. opinions for the day. Yeah. So he's super upset with nearly had this Nick. Not great his conversation. Yells at him a bunch and then leaves. Then he runs into Luna while he is upsettedly leaving. And Luna asks about Sirius, which is like, ooh, eh. Aww. But sweet, sweet Luna girl. Yeah, this is a really like great Luna scene. Harry talks to her a bit and then be- he remembers the whole Festral thing. So he asks her straight up, like, who did you know that died? And mm. Luna says that it's her mother that died when she was nine. Yes, my mother. She was quite an extraordinary witch, uh, you know, but she did like to experiment. And one of her spells went rather badly one day. I was nine. So her mom, like, blew herself up accidentally, uh, is what the implication is. Uh, and then Luna uh, has this, like, fucking a beautiful moment where she's like, well, it's okay. Anyway, it's not like I'll never see my mom again, true. isn't it? Mm-hmm. And Harry's like, isn't it? Yeah. She's like, oh, come on. You heard them just behind the veil, yes. didn't you? Exactly. Like so she's, she tells Harry that the voices behind that curtain, that veil in the Department of Mysteries are the voices of wizards who have died. Yeah. But Harry is not sure whether or not he wants to believe her because of all the crazy stuff that Luna believes in the Quibbler. Uh, but it's so it's so blatantly obvious that it's true. Yeah, that's my thought. But it did plant a seed of doubt inside of me because the first I was like, oh, OK, this makes a lot of sense. But also it is Luna. But we, uh, so, like, I see Harry's point here is basically what I'm trying to say. Yeah, okay. I get it. You gotta, you gotta give Luna a little bit more credit, though. Yeah, I would like to. I, like, especially on more serious matters like this. Yeah. But that's the end of that conversation. And then we get to the next day where everyone's leaving Hogwarts to get on the Hogwarts Express. Uh, Cho Chang walks by. Like, all right, Cho's still a thing, is exactly what I was thinking. Uh, Harry doesn't look her in the eye. And him, Ron, and Hermione are like, oh, no, how's that going? He basically tells Ron that they're not seeing each other anymore. And Hermione politely lets him know that Cho is now dating Michael Corner. And uh, that at first, and I had the same thought, and then they bring this up. It's like, wait a second, that's... Ginny's boyfriend, right? And then... Ginny's like, not anymore. Exactly. Ron's like, no, wait. Michael Corner's dating Ginny. And then Ginny's like, nah, like, I'm, I'm not dating Michael Corner anymore. Um, he didn't like Gryffindor beating oh, Ravenclaw right. and got really sulky about <laughs> yeah, it. The, so I ditched him uh, and he ran off with Cho instead. The dumbest reasoning yeah, ever. Good like, good for Ginny to not be with him anymore. Because, if, like, if you're going to be so upset about that, that you break up with your girlfriend, like, that's the dumbest thing No, she broke ever. up with him. Well, yeah, but, like, She was yeah, like, you're the being a whiny bitch you're... and I need better. <laughs> Ginny is so good. Like, the fifth book is all about Ginny, and I love it's it. It's all about that, Ginny. She's so good. It's all about Ginny. Harry is like, okay, whatever. I don't really care anymore. Well, no, there, there's a great line where Ron is like, Oh, yes. Um, I always thought he was a bit of an yep. idiot. Good for you. Choose someone better next time. And he cast Harry an oddly furtive look as he said it. Yes, which I did think was interesting because I don't know if that was like Ron suggesting this. I hope it's not. Because I really wanted Ron to be, like, violently upset when Harry 
inevitably at some point in the sixth or seventh book is like, oh, by the way, I have a crush on Ginny. <laughs> I really want Ron's reaction to be like, what? <laughs> and, and if Ron like actively wants Harry to date Ginny, that'll make me kind of sad. So this made me a little upset. But then we learn later that Ginny had a quick turnaround because now she replies, she's like, yeah, I've chosen better. I'm dating Dean Thomas. And Ron gets super pissed. And she's like, what'd you say he's better? And Ron's like, what? <laughs> Ron is not happy in the slightest. <laughs> <laughs> so the train is pulling into King's Cross. Harry then sees several members of the order waiting for him. Okay, I have to talk about how much I love found family and how much this just this entire scene touched me so, so much. Is found family a thing or is that just the concept of like having a new family? The, the concept of like choosing your family based off okay. of like people yeah. who are good to you in your life. Okay, I didn't know if this was like an anime I had never heard no, of or something. No, no, no. So found family <laughs> is basically this idea that, you know, you choose the people in your life to become your family because your family is shitty or just because you can do better. Um, so this like whole fucking scene is just like, Hey, yo, like Mad-Eye Moody showed out. Tonks is there. Mm-hmm. Um, Lupin's over there. Lupin. Mr. and Mrs. Weasley, Fred and George. Um, I think Kingsley shows up at some point. Yes, I don't remember. Kingsley Shacklebolt does. Um, it, so it's just like, first off, it's the fucking dream team that showed up to the Ministry oh, of Magic. Yes. Yes. And secondly, it's just like all these people who are just like, we're going to come out and make sure that like no one treats Harry badly. There's nothing. It's, so it's just, it's beautiful and perfect. And I love it. Yes. They are definitely the dream team. And as he sees them, the Dursleys then approach. The order gives the Dursleys the keep your hand off my daughter speech. Mm -hmm. They're basically just like, don't be a piece of shit to Harry or like, we'll have something to say about it, blah, 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 blah. I mean, Mr. Weasley has a great one. He's like, good afternoon. You might remember me. My name's Arthur Weasley. And then the, Mm -hmm. the narrator goes, as Mr. Weasley had single-handedly demolished most of the Dursley's living room two years previously, Harry would have been surprised if Uncle Vernon had forgotten him. That is the only rehashing of what happened in a previous book that I will accept, because that's hilarious. That was a very acceptable one. And then Moody yeah. just being like... Moody, yep. Moody comes in and he's like, look. It's like, I got a weird eye. Don't fuck with me. <laughs> yeah. they like Specifically, it says that Vernon tries to talk to Moody because he thinks that Moody is like the most similar looking to him. So he, they'll have, you know, they'll be like equals because, I don't know, they both have stupid hats or whatever. Yeah. But Moody basically tilts back his hat to reveal his magic eye that is like moving about rapidly. Okay, can I, can I read the exchange because it's fucking (laughs) priceless go for it uh it's so vernon goes are you threatening me sir he said so loudly that a passerby actually turned to stare (laughs) yes i am said mad eye who seemed rather pleased that uncle vernon had grasped the fact so quickly and do i look like the kind of man who can be intimidated barked uncle vernon well said moody pushing back his bowler hat to reveal Mm -hmm. uh his sinisterly revolving magical eye Uncle Vernon leapt backwards in horror and collided painfully with a luggage trolley. Yes, I'd have to say you do, Dursley. (laughs) Just fucking priceless. It's so good. And then basically Moody tells Harry that if he doesn't hear from him for three consecutive days, he will send someone to check up on Harry. And (laughs) loud enough where Vernon can hear this. So it's basically a threat through telling Harry this. Ron and Hermione promise to see him soon. Harry heads back to Fort Privet Drive. And that is the end of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, as well as the end of this episode of Potterless. Excellent job. Julia, how do you feel about these final chapters? I really like the end of this book. Um, I feel like it really brings together everything. The, the, The entire book is not, you know, the best paced and the best put together 
book that she's written. Mm-hmm. But I think the ending really cinches it for me. And it deals with a lot of really interesting topics. And it deals with like cool metaphysics in the magical world, which is always mm-hmm. interesting to me. Um, so I'm, I'm a fan. I really like this one. I really like the ending of this. There's a reason I asked to do these chapters. I totally understand why. Because like the the whole fifth book is like, it's not the best, but the ending of it is really, really strong. And mm-hmm. I covered this in one of the, the live stream patron things that I did. I can see why the fifth book is the most frustrating for people, but it's definitely not the worst book in the series. No. The worst book in the series has to be the second book. Because like yes, what happened? Correct. Like what happened? Nothing at all. Mm-hmm. Except for Ginny got possessed by kind of Voldemort and that's it. <laughs> Like nothing, nothing really happened. So the ending of this fifth book is enough to make it pretty solid. And there are lots of frustrating parts, but like specifically these final five chapters that we've covered on these episodes are phenomenal and they're really good. Yes. The last chapter being called the second war begins is a bit of a downfall because it doesn't, I thought that there was going to be something more hype, but literally the only mention is like, they see someone in King's cross that looks like they're going to go fight. And they're like, Oh, I guess, you know, it's going to happen. And that's like about it. But, uh, the final chapters before that are just so good. Like that yeah. freaking duel between Voldemort and Dumbledore is so good. And then the Dumbledore apology chapter is also really good. So yes, the fifth book was really frustrating. And we had chapters that didn't need to exist. And we have lots of St. Mungo's descriptions I could have done without, but the ending is just so it's just good. expanding the universe, man. Just expanding Ugh. the universe. Ah, uh, whatever. But yeah, definitely better than the second book. Yes. Like no question. For sure. Awesome. Well, Julia, thank you for being on this episode of Potterless Listeners. Thank you for listening. You can check out Julia on Spirits Podcast, but you have other stuff to plug too. Why don't you plug your other stuff? I do. Um, I'm also a voice actor for uh, mm-hmm. a couple of different audio dramas, uh, specifically a uh, noir psychedelic horror, I guess, uh, called What's the Frequency, mm-hmm. which is wonderful and creepy and bizarre, and I highly recommend it. Uh, and I'm also the lead voice actor on a show that just recently came out called Tides Podcast, which is about a xenobiologist stranded on a alien planet. So good. So definitely check all of those out. And of course, Spirits, which is yeah. one of my faves. So great. Oh, also Waystation. Station. Oh, yeah, right. Which is um, yeah, you- a Lost Girl fan cast. And if you've never heard of Lost Girl, uh, it is a TV show, and we're not surprised you haven't heard of it, but it's like a cooler, more Canadian, gayer uh, supernatural. There we go. And it's wonderful. Beautiful. And there's a lot of shitty wigs. (laughs) Great. That sounds wonderful. But anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. Juliet, thank you so much for joining. Oh, it's a pleasure. until next time, as they say in the wizarding world of Harry Potter all the time, wizard on. Wizard on. If you're enjoying Potterless and wish that more people listen to it, why don't you go leave us a rating and review on iTunes? It helps more people discover the show. It makes us pop up more in searches and stuff, and it helps our family grow even larger. Potterless was created by Mike Schubert. It is hosted by Mike Schubert. It is edited by Mike Schubert. It is produced by Mike Schubert, as well as Leanne Davis, Andreas Oselby, Vicky Garcia, Aaron Johnson, Erica and Calvin Bauer, Michael Vanderslice, Sadie Bear, Jesse Horgan, Natalie Klobuchar, Deborah Wilkins, Daisy Carton Stoddard, Klaus Lopu, Michael Buch, Sean Jones, Alexander Stark, Rebecca Adamek, Frank Chiodo, Marchismo, Tori Larsic, Samantha Rose, Troy Kaplinger, and Juan Senfeliu. Web designed by Kelly Beckman, and the music is by Patina Campamanis. For any information about the show, you can head to Potterless 
podcast.com. You can find us on all of your preferred podcasting apps, including Spotify, and you can find us at twitter.com slash potterlesspod, facebook.com slash potterless, and instagram.com slash potterlesspodcast. And finally, if you want to support the show and receive bonus content for doing so, you can head over to patreon.com slash potterless, where your pledges earn you rewards such as shoutouts, t-shirts, bonus episodes, and more. Thank you guys, and until next time, as they say in the wizarding world, wizard on! With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.